This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15, John chapter 15, um, in this passage Jesus quotes, or not actually, doesn't actually quote, but alludes to the, the uh, psalm that Tom read from, They hated me without cause. Um, if it should come to no surprise to us that uh, the world hates us. Um, Jesus gave us that warning um, that uh, the world would hate us. If it hated him, it would hate us as well. And we can see evidence of that uh, in the world today. Um, just uh, within the last couple of weeks, um, if you've been paying attention to the news stories, uh, you may have heard about Karen Pence. Um, the vice president's wife, she uh, went to go work at a Christian school in Washington, D.C. It's the same school that she had taught at before whenever they had lived in Washington, D.C. before. And uh, the fact that she's gone back to teach art at a Christian school um, has uh, attracted the ire of the world. Um, the uh, the, the uh, news reporters have been disgusted by the fact that uh, she would go teach at a Christian school that has in its confessional documents that uh, they would not allow someone to come and be a student there or uh, uh, that um, uh, is affirming to the homosexual lifestyle. Um, they, have, they have that standard as a part of their, their lifestyle requirements, and the world has gone crazy over that. Um, a part of the... Uh, the uh, ire that the world has given uh, included a reporter from the New York Times that uh, created a, um, uh, a Twitter hashtag called Expose Christian Schools, where uh, he was wanted to write a story uh, exposing what he saw as bigotry within Christian schools. Uh, not that he already had a story, but he, he got an idea for what he wanted for a story, and then he was asking for people who could come uh, and, and give them him, him their stories of, of how Christian schools had been bigoted. Well, it is no surprise that the world hates us. Um, we'll look at what Jesus said from uh, John chapter 15, beginning in verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world... The world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the world 
But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues indeed. The hour is come, coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering a service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you have used your word to keep us from falling away. Lord, you have warned us of, of the, the trials that we will face for following you. Lord, you have warned us so that we would not think that it's a strange thing that we would experience these things for following you. Lord, open our eyes and get, open our ears that we will hear your word. Lord, we would receive it. Lord, we would feed on your word. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to do something a little bit strange. I'm going to begin at the end today. Jesus said in uh, the first part there of chapter 16, I have said these things to keep you from falling away. But, and then verse 4 he says, But I have said these things, that when their hour comes you may remember that I told them to you. Um, it can be challenging to be a Christian today. Uh, of course, it's always been challenging to be a Christian. Uh, Jesus uh, warned his disciples that it, because the world hated him, the world will hate them. But we can sometimes feel comfortable uh, in, in our world. We, we have, have lived in a country that uh, we have enjoyed freedom of religion, freedom uh, to be able to come and worship. We have enjoyed great freedom. Um, yet our culture is becoming increasingly and increasingly hostile to what we have to say. Um, Jesus says all of that, he, that he's saying here in these passages for a purpose. He says them to keep us from falling away. Uh, as the pressure mounts, as the pressure gets harder and harder on believers because the, of the way the world hates us, we could be tempted to fall away, to say, oh, it's not worth it. It's not worth it to follow Jesus because of all the hatred that we are receiving from the world. But Jesus here says these words to keep us from falling away, to warn us, hey, this is what it's going to be like to follow me. And Jesus says, but I have said these things to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. The fact that it was something that was predicted by Jesus, the fact that it was something that should not surprise us, helps us to hold on when that hour comes. Uh, if Jesus said, hey, it's going to be all roses, and it doesn't turn out that way, it might be easier to just fall away when times get tough. But Jesus warned us. 
it's going to be hard and the world is going to hate you. So that's why Jesus has given us these words. Now let's look at what he says. The main point of what he's trying to get across is the world hates if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Well, it says if the world hates you. We got to get over that if because because the fact is the way that that is being communicated it's not it's when we think of an if we often think well it's a possibility out there but it might not necessarily happen well think about it the world did hate jesus they they crucified him they nailed him to a cross they beat him they called him a blasphemer they did all of these things and so if they did this for jesus since they did those things for Jesus, they're going to do those things to us, to believers, as well. Jesus follows this up with, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. There's a reason, there's reasons that Jesus gives for why the world hates us. And the first reason he gives is we're not one of them. We're aliens in this world. We're not um, just like the rest of the people in the world. But we have been chosen out. We've been pulled out of, we've been rescued from the fire. And because of that, we're different. We have a different character. We have the character of Christ that's being formed within us, and we do not match the image of the world. We're no longer conformed to the world, but we're being conformed daily to the image of Jesus. So we don't belong to this world, and the world recognizes that. And so they hate us because they realize they're not one of us. Then Jesus says, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Here, Jesus is giving us a second reason why we should expect that the world will hate us. First, of course, he said, because you're not of the world. Now, he's saying, because... A servant's not greater than his master. Remember, Jesus had said this whenever he was in the upper room and he had washed his disciples' feet. He had gotten down uh, with, with a towel and a basin and he washed his disciples' feet and he said at that time, a servant is not greater than his master. You then ought to go and love one another just as I've loved you. You have to wash one another's feet. And in the same way, just as Jesus was persecuted... So, we will be persecuted for his sake. If a, a servant is not greater than his master. But he also says something I think a bit positive. He says, if they kept my word, they will also keep yours as well. Now, it could be interpreted negatively. Well, if they kept my word, which they didn't, then they would keep yours as well, but they won't. But actually, some did. Some did. The disciples among them were people who kept 
Jesus' word. And I think it's maybe more of a promise saying, in the midst of all that, that the world is hating you, if they kept my words, if some of them kept my word, then some will keep yours as well. It's a promise of fruit. When the world is hating us, we might be tempted to to be shy, to, to not want to go out and proclaim the message. But here he gives us a promise. If we go and proclaim that message to a world that hates us, some of them will believe because some of them believed Jesus as well. A servant is not greater than his master. Then, but all these things they will do to you on account of my name. Because they do not know him who sent me. The third reason here that Jesus says they will persecute believers is because they don't know God. The world does not know God. They may claim to be religious. They may have religious experiences in all different kinds of areas. Through meditation, through... um, just whatever the world might try to find a religious experience in, but they don't know the true God. Jesus then turns to to share how their guilt has been compiled. In verse 22, he says, If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin." Now, Jesus isn't saying, well, they were perfectly sinless before I came. (laughs) That's not what Jesus is saying. But their guilt was compounded whenever Jesus came into the world. These people were already sinners. Jesus comes into the world. He proclaims the message that the only way to God is through him. The only way to be saved is by accepting him as the Messiah, by submitting their lives to him And so their guilt is compounded because on top of their adultery, on top of their murder, on top of all of these other things, they have shaken their fist at God and they've rejected his son in his offer of forgiveness. So if Jesus had not come and spoken to them, they would not have compounded their sin. But because he had come, they have no excuse for their sin. Then Jesus says, verse 23, whoever hates me hates my father also. We can see this in the context of the Jewish people as the cross was approaching. They hated Jesus, but they claimed they had the father. They claimed that Jesus was the one who was blaspheming. But Jesus here says, if they hated me, they hate my father also. We can look at other religions in the world, such as Islam, for, for example. They don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They don't believe that he was God himself. They think maybe he was just a prophet, even a great prophet. Not the greatest Muhammad. <laughs> if you don't have the Son You don't have the Father. Jesus has said this before. And some may ask who who, uh, compare religions. Well, don't Christians and Muslims and Jews all worship the same God? No! (laughs) Even 
even among us, we might ask the question, well, do Jews and Christians worship the same God? Not according to what Jesus says here. If you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. Then Jesus says in verse 24, If I had not done the, among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have, they have seen and hated both me and my Father. Again, he comments on the, the, the compounding of sin that had come. Not only had he come, not only had he proclaimed a message, but he had done great miracles. He had risen Lazarus from the dead. He had walked on water. He had made loaves and fishes multiply to feed thousands of people. He had done all of these things. And he says, if I had not done among them the works that no one else had done, then they wouldn't be guilty of sin. But I've come and done these works, and they hated me. And they not only hated me, but they also hated my father. In the other Gospels, we read how, how Jesus says, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah will be less guilty in the day of judgment than you cities, Jesus says. Uh, I don't remember the cities that he's talking to. But these cities had seen miracles that Jesus had done, and yet they reject Jesus. And it would be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than it was for those cities. The reason why is Jesus had actually come to them. He had, done, he had walked among their streets. He had taught among them, and yet they still rejected him. And how it is for our world, they have believers living among them who have this relationship with Jesus, who have this, this message to proclaim about the Son of God who came, who died for us, and who offers forgiveness freely to all who accept him, and yet they hate him, and they turn away, and they reject him. Verse 25, But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me, without a cause. We've seen reasons why the world hated Jesus and the world hates us. The one that Jesus kind of closes this argument with is, is it's to fulfill Scripture. It fulfills Scripture. Jesus was kind of typologically being like David who wrote the psalm that uh, Tom read from. It, they, David was an example. He was something that pointed forward to the Messiah. And David says, they hated me without cause. And Jesus points back to that, back to that and, and says, I'm the one who's even greater than David. Just like they hated David without any cause, so they hate me without cause. It, but it fulfills Scripture. He turns a corner and he no longer begins to talk about, he, he's no longer talking about um, how the world will hate us. He begins in verse 26 to show a contrast. In spite of the fact that the world will hate us, he says in verse 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from 
the beginning. So the disciples, as Jesus is, is um, telling them, the world's going to hate you. It's going to be really, really bad. They're going to treat you the same way they treat me. And the disciples are kind of wondering, well, Jesus, you're saying you're going away. You're, you're going away. So what are we going to do whenever you're gone? And Jesus reminds them of his promise. I'm going to send the helper, the paraclete, the one who's the spirit of truth to come and be with you. He says, I'm sending the spirit of truth, the one who's from the father. And he's going to bear witness of me. You're not going to stand alone. You're not going to stand alone when the world hates you, when the world reviles you, but the Spirit will be there with you and He will bear witness of me. And then He also says, and you will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Now there I think He's talking about the disciples. They were with Him from the beginning. But even that promise was to the disciples. We have that same Spirit. We have the, the Holy Spirit indwelling us, living with us, empowering us to be able to stand firm, bearing witness to Jesus. I think when I read verse 27, I, I, I can't help but hear echoes of Acts 1.8, where Jesus says, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. As Jesus here in verse 27 says, And you will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Believers are told we are going to bear witness to Jesus in spite of a world that hates us, in spite of a world that points at us and says they're just a bunch of bigots. Jesus says you will bear witness. Your sp my spirit will be with you. They're treating you the same way they treated me. He warns them because he doesn't want to see them fall away. And he warns them of how bad it's going to be. In verse 2 of chapter 16, he says, They will put you out of the synagogues. They're going to be rejected by the religious establishment. They're going to be put out of their social arrangements. And then verse 3, oh no, the later part of verse 2, it says, Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They believed that Jesus was a blasphemer. They believed that Jesus, in claiming to be God himself, was blaspheming. And they put him on a cross and they nailed him to it and they killed him. And in the same way, we see, what, what did Paul think he was doing before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus? They, he thought he was doing God a service. He thought he was doing God's work by persecuting Christians until he saw Jesus on the road and he said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And we see this in the world today. You have Islam... In their holy war, their jihad, they believe that they're doing God a service as they take Christians and they behead them. They think they're doing God a service. And even in our world here in America, they think that it's a good thing to be against intolerance, to be against 
bigotry. And so they, they call us out as bigots because we believe what Christians have taught for 2,000 years about human sexuality. Because we hold on to biblical teaching, we're called out as wrong. We're called out as evil. Jesus says, and they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. We have a, a there's a strange thing in, in John's gospel and in John's other writings about our relationship with the world. In John 3.16, the one we know all so well, Jesus said, well, John tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have, everlast have everlasting life. He loved the world, and yet we're told in John, 1 John chapter 1 or 2, I can't remember which right now, Do not love the world or the things in the world, for the love, things of the world are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He tells us the world is going to hate us. So we have a, a strange relationship here with the world. We understand the world hates us and we're, we're not to be worldly. We're not to, to embrace the things of the world. But at the same time, we have to remember that there is a God who loved the world so much that he sent his son to come and die for this very world that hates us. And so, in the spite of pressure, in the spite of, of the hatred that we face, we must be bold and we must be loving to the world in the sense that we take the message to them. We don't back down. The most loving thing we can do is tell them the truth. And they will hate us. But some will believe us just as some believed Jesus. And some will be transformed. Some, because Jesus' word is powerful and it will not return void, will be changed. And Jesus will snatch them from the fire. He will choose them out of the world just as he's chosen us out of the world. The fact that Jesus says he's chosen us out of the world shows that we're no worse off. We were no worse off than the world that I've been speaking of that hates us. We were once a part of that. And he pulled us out. He chose us out of the world and changed us so that we can go and proclaim the same message to a lost and dying world. <laughs>